Welcome to Diary of a Professional Tennis Coach with Mark Gellard and Candy Reid. Well, it's time for the latest edition of Diary of a Professional Tennis Coach. And there's an extra bonus today because the one and only Magda Lynette is going to feature. And we'll hear from her after we've spoken to Mark Gellard. But here is a brief preview. <laughs> you told me extra intervals are podcasts. So I was like, podcast. <laughs> I'm delighted to say that Magda has avoided the intervals. She is on the podcast. You'll hear from the top 30 player in just a few moments. But first, on to the podcast. Uh, the latest edition of Diary of a Professional Tennis Coach with Mark Gellard. And Mark, we're on the eve and the cusp of Wimbledon 2023. So we're going to make this all about Wimbledon, if that's all right with you. How are you? Hey, Candy. Hey, everyone. Thanks for tuning in as always. And uh, yeah, we're just here in Wimbledon. Uh, play starts tomorrow and we are second match on after 11. Very exciting. Do you have the same sort of nerves and feelings that you've always had when you go into the championships? Yeah, it's funny. I think um, I was watching the Netflix documentary the other day and they were talking about Wimbledon and the, the player said for Maria Sharapova mentioned in that, that this one for some reason always has a little bit of an extra spice to it. This one's always just creates a little bit more nerves. It's that silence during the play, the tradition. Uh, it's just a bit special, I think, for players being on these grass courts. It just makes it a little bit more special, so a little bit more bit more uh, nervous, I suppose, yeah. I was actually watching my Wimbledon. I don't know if you watched the same thing, but it was Sue Barker hosting it. And it must have been filmed a couple of years ago because Andy Murray was in Under Armour rather than his his new uh, Andy Murray Castore, isn't it? AMC. Yeah, Castor, yeah, yeah. That's it. So he it must have been done a few years ago, but it was still when he won. And just I was sort of, you know, I had tears in my eyes and it was so ridiculous because I have nothing to do with it. But it's just all the memories that evoked and Federer winning and, you know, Serena winning and and even in the old days with Martina winning. I remember that so clearly, don't you? I really do. I, I think we're probably biased being English because we grew up around. This was the one we came to. Mm. So I don't know if. You know, if maybe the French players feel the same with Roland Garros. But I think if you ask most players, this is probably the one that they go, I want to win that one more than any of the others. That's got a special special feel to it. I think it's kind of the mecca of tennis, really, isn't it? It's like the Masters in golf. I think it's just the special one, even though the Open Championship is remarkable and there are three majors of golf in the USA. It's just the Masters that stands out for some reason. Exactly. Yeah, 100%. Couldn't agree more. And it's there's so many traditions, like I said, but the the, the, the queuing up outside, mm-hmm. the fans are so engaged, um, just the tradition, everyone's wearing white. You only get a very short period of time on a match court. So you get half an hour on either the Wednesday or the Thursday or half an hour on the Friday or Saturday. So that's the only time, you know, so usually you've got to play on all the match courts a lot and you know the speed of them and the ball height, bounce and everything like that. So... This one's really unique uh, for that. So it even creates a little bit more nerve, I think, for the players because they go onto the courts not fully ex- sure what to expect with the court. So have you practised on any of the show courts? So we did, well, we practised on um, court nine. We got a uh, half an hour in there on Thursday and an hour in on Saturday. And who so did you practise with? So Magda's playing doubles with Bernardo Pera, so we played with her. Um, and then the other day we played with, other time we played with Donna Vekic. So we've we've had a couple and um, yeah, we're getting ready. It was nice to play with Bernarda in the end because uh, we're playing a left-handed player tomorrow. So that was a nice practice. 
Yeah, the time of recording, we're on the eve. Um, Magda's got about, what, 26 hours before she hits the court. She's going to play Jill Teichman, the left-hander from Switzerland, who's very talented, isn't she? Yeah, it's going to be a tough one. Um, I mean, there's no easy matches at Wimbledon, um, but uh, we've played her before. Uh, we beat her earlier this year in the United Cup in Brisbane. It's a tough match, three sets. So it'll be a battle. Um, she's beaten us before, maybe two years ago. So, you know, it's going to be close and um, Magda's going to have to be ready right from the start. And then doubles with Bernardo Pera as well? Yeah, doubles usually starts later in the tournament. So that'll begin Wednesday or Thursday, just depending usually in, in the singles draw in Wimbledon, they do the top half of the draw on Monday and bottom half on Tuesday or vice versa. And so it just depends which half you're in when we'll play. But um yeah, it's it's it, 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 the one thing with the slams, which is nice, is you know that you have a day gap between every singles match. So you can play Monday, Wednesday, Friday, regardless of who you're playing. And what is the outcome for Magda, given now she's seeded at the slam? She was at uh, Roland Garros. She is now at Wimbledon. Is there any special things she gets? So she um, she was uh, surprised when we got here that she's had access to the championship locker room. Which has been really nice. So there's a few extra Best showers in the bells world. And... I I I heard uh, there's a few extra bells and whistles in there, um, <laughs> and we have got an extra ticket on the day she plays. So I think instead of getting one, we get two. So um, that bonus. was yeah, yeah. Bonus. It's the so hardest can... ticket to get, isn't it? We've discussed this in sport. It's incredibly hard. Yeah, I I think now. So I was talking to someone yesterday. There's only really three ways you can get it. You can get it through the ballot. You can get it through the queuing up outside overnight. Or I, I did hear, and I'm not sure if it's true now, that occasionally Ticketmaster releases a very limited few and hospitality. You can buy online. There's a limited few online to buy there, but they start off at about £1,500 yeah. per ticket. Yeah, a friend asked me from the USA, she's coming over to see her daughter and they're going to go to Wimbledon and uh, she said about tickets, so I suggested the queue. So I was looking up a little information yesterday and you have to get there essentially before nine. They can't guarantee you a ticket, but there's 500 tickets for centre court, court one and court two, I believe. And then after that is a grounds pass. And I actually personally think that the grounds pass for the first week is actually great. I think that Wimbledon or any of the Grand Slams, but if you're queuing up overnight or getting there early in the morning to get tickets, the grounds pass is your best value for money because you're walking around, you get to experience it all, see the grounds are really nice. And then you see so many different matches and, and, you know, Wimbledon, like all the others, there's, there's a lot of great matches on the outside courts. I mean, um, Magda, we're playing on court 17, which will be a, an outside unticketed court. You know, and and we we're ranked around twenty two right now. Jill Teichman has dropped in the rankings, but this time a year ago she was ranked twenty one. Mm-hmm. So that's uh, two solid players playing. You know, First round. <laughs> without tickets, yeah. So it's um, yeah. There's a lot of good matches to see on the outside courts. And the men's side, is there anyone that you particularly want to go and see? Given that you've been around this world for ages, do you still have that kind of factor where you're impressed by people? As a coach, I enjoy more being down at the practice courts down over at Orangi. I think that's, you know, over the years, the only thing that I think is a shame at Wimbledon is they had the two practice courts at the top at Orangi. Mm. And you could have all the fans could stand there and watch. And it was great. And they've, over the last few years, they've removed those courts and turned it into like a warm up area for players. Yeah. But there's very limited viewing to watch practice if you've come in as a fan. But as a coach, I just like being out on those practice courts and watching what those players are doing, men and women. I think you get to really see some some great stuff down there. I think uh, that's that's the best place to be.
I remember exactly what you mean because there's two practice courts I watched uh, when I played the juniors on a couple of occasions I watched Jim Courier practice on that near court to uh, Arangi where the juniors hang out the second week and I remember him taking one of the single sticks and playing baseball with it because he was a really yep. good baseball player wasn't he and he had a forehand a little bit like he hit the baseball Exactly. I, I've actually seen that video somewhere as well. And um, I remember just growing up coming when I was really young, watching, you know, Agassi and Sampras and Michael Chang and Boris Becker playing there. And um, it was I think that was, as a fan, I think when you're with the practice, you can be so close to them and you mm. can take your pictures and talk to, to other, you know, it's a little different atmosphere to once the matches start. Another memory I have about a practice court, and I think it was um, actually on the main courts, not on Central One, but on the sort of outside courts, was Steffi Graf practicing with Heinz Gunthardt. And they literally practiced for an hour. They didn't speak to each other, not because they hated each other, but just because they were so focused. And they hit cross-court forehands for 15 minutes, down the line forehands for 15 minutes, cross-court backhands for 15 minutes, down the line backhands for 15 minutes. It was unbelievable, and they didn't miss a ball. And those are the kind of memories that really stay with you, I think. A hundred percent. I I remember watching Juan Carlos Ferrero play here. Um, it was a long match. I actually was, I had tickets. I camped overnight when I was young and had tickets for Barry Cowan. Oh, against no. Pete Sampras. Big and, Barry um, against Sampras. I remember that match. We had, um, we'd stayed out, camped all night with some friends and we, we didn't do much sleeping that night. There was a bit of food and drink and partying. And by about six o'clock that next day, we were watching that match and Barry went down two sets to love. And we said, that's it. We're out of here. And we got on the train and it turned into a five set thriller. Yes. And I remember thinking, what did we just do? We've just missed this. <laughs> that's like walking out on your football team, isn't it? When they're three nil down <laughs> and then they win in yes. four, three in the Champions League final. <laughs> exactly. Couldn't believe we did that. But it was a great, I mean, that's that's where the memories are made though. In the queuing up there and just the, the whole thing is, is you don't remember so much the match. You just remember mm. all the things around it. So just talking about this year's competition, uh, give us a, an idea of where you're staying, how the transport is, how the food is, and just everything that you're having to deal with right now. We're really fortunate that my sister actually lives in this area very close to the court. So Magda and I have uh, our own bedrooms here in the house. She has a nice house here down by, it's not far from Wimbledon Village and close to, to Wimbledon downtown area by the train station. So it's really great so i'd say it was a 10 to 15 minute walk at the max to the courts uh, but the tournament still provides transport because once you know that we get close although walking is nice it gets a bit chaotic around the area you know with people fans and things like this and also you're carrying your bag so we tend to take transport in ian is staying at home he's close enough as well to be at home which is nice for him and then like all the tournaments, really, everyone gets a credential with their food allowance on. And, uh, you know, I, I think you get about, uh, I think we're on about 50 pounds a day that the coaches get, which buys you almost six strawberries. So, um, <laughs> so and uh, cream, hopefully. And so some cream. cream. Oh, yeah, yeah. It comes with cream. They're not a complete rip off, you know. <laughs> um, they give you the food on there and then everything else is, it's, it's very well organized. They, they really do a great job, especially now they've got the new facility with the indoor courts. There's a new player area on arrival. It's, it's an unbelievable setup. And I've heard that by 2027, there's, they're going to be completely redoing the millennium building uh, with the restaurants and things like that. So they're doing a really nice job here. Have you been into the indoor courts? Cause they're, they 
Um, I've played on them a few times and the roof there is an absolute piece of architecture. If you haven't been, you must. Well, I will go today based on that information because I didn't know that. That's good to know. I heard that they have really nice locker rooms, yes. um, great showers in there. And yeah, I, I mean, the facilities they've got, they've got outdoor clay courts, it looks like on that side. They've green got clay. indoor hard, green mm-hmm. clay. Yeah, they've got outdoor hard. I mean, if you, what a great place to play tennis. It's got everything, hasn't it? Yeah, to be a member is an absolute joy, which I'm not, but uh, hoping to be. And then you and I, Mark, can go and whale away the be... uh, the autumn days on the balcony. That would be quite nice, that, wouldn't it? That would be nice. <laughs> that would be nice. Um, so Magda's obviously seeded, as we've discussed before. What changes for her in terms of prestige? Have you noticed a lot more people are recognising her after that semi-final at the Australian Open? Has anything changed in that regard? Yeah, I think, you know, her commitments after Australia have been a lot more off the court. There's been a lot more sort of expectations on what she needs to do, although it's starting to die down now because that was, what, four about five months ago. Um, but, yeah, there's definitely been more commitment, more more expectation, pressure, however you want to call it. And she does. She has, you know, she's amassing a, a, a relatively large following on Instagram and social media and there was a funny tweet that she posted last week that went around and got somewhat viral on Tennis Channel with a caricature she had drawn of her. So she's um, she's got a good sense of humour and she's very, um, I think she's very likable, which is what, what people are drawn to. The caricature wasn't particularly um, nice of her. And it's like a, any caricature if you've ever been on flattering. holiday. It wasn't flattering. Yeah. It gave her a big nose, which she doesn't have at all. <laughs> but do you remember her response? I think she because it was she said it was funny because the, the 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 caricature was drawn by someone from Poland and put up at the club in her hometown where they were having an ATP event oh, and I see. they'd drawn her with this big nose and so she just reposted the picture and said something along the lines of Poznan Open not helping with my chances for a for a husband not helping <laughs> dot dot dot. And it got picked up and I saw a few people repost it. And then they were talking about it on Tennis Channel, which was nice for her. So she got a little, she turned a, she turned a potentially, uh, you know, negative into a positive. She didn't have any um, say on that commissioned picture. It was nothing to do with her, was it? No, she didn't even know about it. It was okay. somebody had sent a picture of it to her. No, she had no, no awareness of it. She was like, you know, I thought they would have, they would have, uh, you know, told me at least they're putting my picture up. I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm flattered that they asked me. Uh, sorry, I'm flattered they drew a picture of me. I just, you know, didn't know my nose was that big. <laughs> <laughs> and it definitely isn't. But it does, I think, help when you've got personalities to actually bring them out. Because Magda is a great girl, lovely person. But we don't sometimes see that part of tennis players, do we? Or other athletes. So when they have a chance to to bring themselves out a little bit, it's, it's really nice. Yeah, absolutely. I think um, I think that's what fans want the most and that's kind of almost what twitter was made for right so that people could get in contact with their sports stars or the movie stars whatever it is and i think that gives people a little bit more of that human side um Mm. and i think that's what endears a lot of people to her um because i think she's quite i think the ego is not that big and she has a, a good sense of humor which really yeah i think has uh been a big part of her success she is very very um humble and modest and I think uh yeah that that's a lot for a tennis player important yeah certainly hard to find I would think especially in the upper echelons of athletes give us an idea of how the grass is playing because you played Nottingham and Birmingham how are the grass courts at the All England Club compared 
So um, the courts here are obviously, I mean, we we were practicing yesterday on, uh, was it yesterday or the day before on the championship court, but also at Arangi, which is the practice facility within Wimbledon. I mean, the courts are like, uh, you almost don't want to play on them because it looks like velvet. It's, it's like you feel like you're ruining velvet. It's it's really nice. The big thing I've noticed over the years is how slow it's gotten, mm. which I think is good for the game in that it makes it more interesting to watch. You're not having back in 20 years ago when Ivanisevic could serve ace, ace, ace. You know, it wasn't so in, in, interesting for the fans. But it was a really, I mean, the courts are maintained meticulously. The grass is a little bit longer. What they usually do is on the Sunday, they because they've kept it long, it almost protects the ground. So today they'll go in, they'll cut it, shorten it up, water it, repaint the lines, and then cover them for the night and get ready for action tomorrow. And you're on second on, as you said, court 17. Play begins at 11, am I right? Yeah, play begins at 11. Um, so we expect to be on around 12.30 or 1, give or take. Um, so we'll arrive there in the morning, um, warm up Time probably roughly. at 10. Okay. I would say usually around 10, 10, uh, yeah, 10 o'clock. So she's done by 10.30, gives her half an hour to shower, change, and then head up to the, to the restaurant, maybe grab a bowl of pasta. Uh, because you have to be, you know, the pro- problem with tennis, it's not like a football match where they start at three. It's you're following another match. And that match could last four hours or it could be 20 minutes and someone rolls their ankle, gets injured, gets sick, withdraws. So you have to be ready the whole time. So I'm quite happy, uh, grateful that we're not following a men's match as well, because that can always be really tough to determine. Because of uh, course how a five-setter. Could be three yeah. sets or could be five. And as you said, you could have a retirement. If that happens and you have a retirement, say 20 minutes, somebody's ill, somebody hurts themselves, how long do they give you generally to get ready? They try to be fair to both players because it is both players that are going to be affected by it that are on that next match. But usually they're trying to get you on within 15 minutes. So it doesn't give you a whole lot of time. Yeah, Yeah. so be prepared is the answer. And if you're practicing at 10, what time will you be at the club? What time will Magda be waking up? So if we practice at 10, we will arrive at the club probably by about 8.45. Gives her enough time to sort of, we, we arrive in one spot at the club where the main entrance is. And then we've kind of got to walk our way through the tunnel or down the tunnel, I should say, to the to the Orangi Park. That can take 10 or 15 minutes to get to there. Mm. And then she can start a warm up where she likes to have an hour to go through her stretching, mobilization routine and then start practicing about 10. She'll probably be up around 7.30, I would think. Okay. And uh, your nerves on the day of any any major? How are you feeling? My nerves on my nerves on any day of a regular day are shredded all the time. <laughs> um, yeah, then it's not easy. It's this is this is what you play for. I think for me, it's always I know that she wants it. I want her to just feel like she did her. You know, she she delivered her best performance, and whatever happens, happens. She can't. She knows she can't control that. But I think it's more. The, the you know one of the things I've talked to her about is that when she says she feels pressure, pressure is really just expectation. That's all that is. And expectation, the only thing you, you can't control that because tomorrow the other the other girl may play great. She may play bad. You don't know. But what you can control are your standards. So you've got to kind of hold your standards, hold yourself accountable for what you expect from yourself and your standards, and then um, you know that that should take care of everything. Excellent. Thanks, Mark. Okay, well, I've taken enough of your time. We're going to briefly speak to Magda as well about her feelings um, ahead of the third major of the year. So we'll we'll add that on to this podcast. But for now, Mark Geller, thanks very much. Thanks a lot, Candy. Thanks, everyone, for listening.
All right, Magda Lynette making your debut on Dire Professional Tennis Coach. Thanks very much for joining us, Magda. No problem. Mark made me. <laughs> he told Mark's me extra a... intervals are podcasts. So I was like, podcast. <laughs> Mark's got a lot of sway. I like that. We're on the eve of the Wimbledon Championship 2023. How are you feeling at the moment? I'm feeling really good. I mean, Wimbledon has always been my favorite event. It's There's always something special about it. And as a kid, you always dream to come here. And I think it also has to do a little bit with it was never really on TV. It was so hard to watch in Poland at the time. So it was always a little bit of the mystery. What is it? Mm -hmm. How is it looking like? How do you play on grass? So coming here and seeing it and discovering it was pretty special. And how do you play on grass? <laughs> I'm still trying to figure it out. I think the best mindset is not to think about it too much, don't overcomplicate and just try to play your game. I think for me, the keys I feel is in a movement that I just feel very comfortable and brave on it because I think that's something you can't really practice that much. And it's so important how you move. It's very difficult. The grass doesn't give you much back. You don't really have any energy back from uh, your push uh, when you try to move to the side or forward. So you kind of get more tired and you feel a little bit slower. So to have it very efficiently and to do every every movement efficiently, it's, it's very difficult at first, but it's really important. And you've been playing Wimbledon for quite a long time. Do you remember making your debut the first year? Main draw, yeah. But I also remember being in qualies and being a junior in Roehampton. So I feel like I went through all the stages. Yeah, and I, I'm just still waiting because that's the only tournament I haven't played on a center court yet or court one. So that's still something in uh, my 10-year career that I'm still waiting for. How are the nerves compared to the first time you played it to now where you're very experienced and, of course, you've reached a semi-final and a major? Less, definitely less. Hmm. Um, I used to be so nervous here. Also due to the fact that you don't really get that much practice let's say on grass as on other surfaces so it always has been a little bit stressful for me like you don't know what's going to happen how it's going to be and how also the opponent is going to play everything goes so fast um, but I think that's the plus of experience that I've been through many many different situations and uh, I've been to third round here before so I know a little bit more to what to expect and I'm definitely less stressed now. Talking of nerves, I have to tell you one incident because uh, I think when I was 17, I played on court 17 after the Woodies and guess who my coach was at that moment? Ian, Ian. Ian Hughes, your co-coach. So we've got something in common. You're going to be playing court <laughs> 17 tomorrow with Ian Hughes and Mark Gellard, of course, watching you. So I thought that was a nice moment. And I actually literally couldn't hold my racket. I was so nervous because I followed the Woodies, who were my idols and doubles growing up. It was awful. I needed you there, Magda, <laughs> although you're quite a few years younger. So you had just been born, I think. <laughs> so no use to me at all. But anyway. <laughs> I hmm. had one like really stressful moment where actually that was the only one tournament where I got really badly injured on court. That was Wimbledon. And I torn my ligaments in second game in a 
second game um, of the first round in qualies. And I remember because I was the first seed because I got my ranking right after the f deadline. So I was like 80 and I still had to play qualies. So I was already like kind of bummed about it. And then first match, second game, I, I tore my ligaments completely. Oh. So, <laughs> so yeah. Let's not remember so I, Yes, I, I do remember it. That's why I said like movement has always been important for me here to be brave and feel comfortable and don't think about it too much. How do you find the media attention now that uh, you've hit the top 20? You're just outside right now. Of course, you're seeded this year. Are you getting more media attention? Are you enjoying it? Tell me everything. Uh, it'll be, I don't know how much time do we have to tell you everything. Because it's so, <laughs> such a complex thing. Because on the one hand, it's so nice. Because uh, that's what you do, right? You do play for it. You you do want to have a contact with fans because that's what it is all about to basically through media have a little bit of a contact with people that are watching you, supporting you, uh, paying to, to watch you. And it's been really nice on one hand because I, I do feel I really work hard to get a little bit more attention. Um, but I'm not sure if you're ever ready for the consequences of it and I I feel I had a little bit of time where I had to learn and and a little bit manage and now I'm getting used to it it's obviously a little bit more time that I have to spend on it a little bit more consequences with my words I need to be very careful how I uh, convey my message because I feel people are listening to me much more carefully and I feel a little bit more way be behind my words so I, I do feel I have to be more conscious but it also has its pluses. I, I feel my opinion is being heard and it's definitely nice. And um, it, that, it, it gives me a lot of confidence as well. How much more time is it taking out of your life when you go to media day at the majors? How long is that taking overall? I'm still not at the stage where it takes so much time because before I'd never had a press conference before the tournament. It was always after like if I would win or lose a match. So that's a new thing that I have to even schedule something before. And it depends as well what what journalists are coming because if they're really nice and friendly, I just stay with them and chat. So yesterday, I think I spent one and a half hour with them. <laughs> yeah, I spent like nice. half an hour longer just chit-chatting. Uh, so uh, I think it really depends also who's coming, what they want to talk about, how also they, they put questions together and, and what are their motives. Because I feel if they have an interest and like, proper I would say motives as well it's really nice to speak to them and just try to to again convey my my message and and they're really helpful then with that are most of these journalists Polish or is it from everywhere in the world that's the the new thing that I am having a little bit more international journalists so that is a nice thing because before I only had Polish media around so to to see that people outside of Poland are getting interesting in what I have to say it's something new and really nice because I have a chance to speak English a bit more. Well, you do that very well. And just finally, because I want to let you go, you've got practice today ahead of your match with Dil Teichman. Um, do you have any intimidation amongst any of the players when you're walking around the locker room and around the players area? Are you intimidated? Do you feel comfortable? Are you trying to help those younger coming up? And tell me just a little bit about that, please. Uh, I definitely don't feel intimidated at all anymore. 
um i think that's the the time when you're a junior and your first time see pros then your first time see serena and you're like oh like <laughs> what like how am i supposed to behave but with time when you have to go and face them on court that was the first time it was difficult so then right now i i don't really have any of those feelings um i just kind of try to focus on myself a lot i have a couple people that i speak uh, with that are my friends so i think it's just more of a pleasant and nice conversations i don't really feel um anything like that regarding younger players um i don't really see them that much so also it's it's i think if there are any polish ones sometimes we we do have a quick chat but we see each other so rarely that we don't really have much of i would say time really to to really sit down and talk and i feel like i i don't really also want to be pushy and just go out of my way and just like you know force myself on them so <laughs> when they come to me which is also difficult right because to come to me i, I bet it's also not, they don't want to bother me either so I think it's just a little bit of how well do you know somebody? Do we have a, maybe a chance to meet outside of ten of tournaments, like on some maybe Belgian King Cup or some kind of a training sessions? And I think then they get a little bit more comfortable with that. But it's quite rare because we see each other like really not that mm. often. Of course, but I'm, I'm sure you're a huge inspiration. And I also want to say thank you on the behalf of all journalists because somebody who actually wants to chat <laughs> I think that just makes such a big difference and it's a way of getting your personality across, which is a wonderful one as far as I know. Now, Mark Gellard, he's a totally different proposition. We'll we'll talk about him later when he's not listening. <laughs> I have much better sense of humour, but we know that. <laughs> I taught everything she knows on and off the court. All the good stuff. All the good stuff. I and that's you're not dressing me up, by the way. That's definitely not. <laughs> Anything with fashion, definitely. He has nothing to do with it. He's got a very nice blue shirt on. I'm usually trying to, you know, uh, choose uh, the collections for him from from our company. So I feel like uh, I did a good job. I think he looks very smart indeed. <laughs> Magda, thank you. <laughs> Your debut thank on you so Diary of a Professional Tennis Coach, and I think it went all right. Thank you very much. <laughs> thank you. Hope you enjoyed this latest edition of the podcast Diary of a Professional Tennis Coach with Mark Gellard and Magda Lynette. Please rate and review and we'd love to hear your feedback. <laughs>